Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. The Eastern Catholic Churches, I often say on this program, are not just a history lesson. We are very alive today. We are at the epicenter of some of the greatest most significant global issues of our day throughout the world and also here in America. And certainly one of those issues in America that faces us is a threat to marriage and family. And as Eastern Catholics, Eastern Christians in America, we are deeply concerned and we contribute our own spirituality, our own particular gift to these issues. And today we have a very special guest in our program who is inviting this very gift of the Eastern Churches to something that she is doing for the sake of marriage and family. We welcome to Light of the East, Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse from the Ruth Institute. The Ruth Institute will be holding its fourth annual It Takes a Family to Raise a Village conference out in San Diego, out here. And uh, this year, for the first time, it's open to people of all ages. Um, in the past, we've just had conferences that were for college students and young adults, and we usually had a seminar-style event for about 35 people. But this year, we have the use of one of the largest megachurches in the Sago County, and so we're opening it up to people of all ages to come the last weekend lie, and uh, we'll have experts on marriage who come from uh, all different religious backgrounds and who come from all different professional and academic backgrounds. So we'll be trying to give people a, a perspective on marriage that is both theological and natural uh, to, so that people can see just how important marriage really is to the common good and to the, and to the whole of society. And in particular, you're inviting, especially our audience here, the Eastern Rite Catholics. And, and why is that? Father, uh, first of all, you and I have a, a nice relationship and the mutual respect going back and forth. And just last week, I was at a big event at, uh, at the Acton Institute in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I've been part of Acton Institute's mission for a long time. And they had a couple of um, Eastern, actually Eastern Orthodox, not Eastern Rite Catholics, but Eastern Orthodox people. And listening to those guys talk, I realized, you know, just how much the East has to offer on so many uh, Christian topics. Whenever I heard one of those guys talk, I realized we were talking about the same topic, but that they had taken the same topic and, and maybe rotated it about 90 degrees or something. And so now I'm looking at the same thing from a completely different angle. I thought, wow, the marriage movement, just like the free market Christian movement, the married marriage movement needs some of that Eastern 
insight and that Eastern energy and that Eastern spirituality, um, because it's just something that, that hasn't been part of the marriage movement up until now, at least not in any visible way. So I thought, boy, I'm going to call Father Loya and see if we can reach out to some of his people and, uh, and get some representation from, from the Eastern wing of the Catholic Church. Well, those who listen to our program like these, there are many out there where you are in the West Coast. I'd like to say hello to all of them, especially Jack Lou, who I just saw recently. Jack Lou stopped by, all the way from California, stopped by my parish this past week, and also his friend there at the parish in San Francisco, Mary Louise. I'd like to say hello to those people. And also our good friend Sonia, and a whole lot of others out there on the West Coast, and hopefully they can attend this, this conference that you're having, especially since they are listeners and they're hearing it here. Now, as far as the Eastern Contribution, as you say, Doctor, the Eastern Contribution which, of course, is the point of this program, is that we, we are very strong on, on the mystical. See, this is why we're very attracted also, and I am personally, to John Paul II's thought and work on the theology of the body, especially, because basically it's that mystical approach to the human person, to all of creation. It's that sacramental, Eucharistic approach where it's very incarnational, that what is physical reveals the invisible, and that's very much the genius of the East, and that is the key to, to happy marriage, understanding what the Church says about marriage, you know, things like contraception and sexuality and what we do and don't do with our bodies. And so, yeah, I think the East can make a tremendous contribution, and especially also because the East brings into the the discussion a kind of a both-and approach. In other words, we actually say that, we sort of say in one breath, we sort of speak of monasticism and sacramental marriage in the same breath. They're two different things, but they, at the same time, they, they converge. They're sort of interdependent with each other. And in fact, in the East, we often say that uh, the, the best married people would make the best monastics and vice versa. So I really appreciate, and I think it's very, very wise on your part to invite the East and to see the, the wisdom that is there in the Eastern churches on marriage. That's a really wonderful thing that you say, and it actually reminds me of something that John Paul says in the, in the Theology of the Body, where he, he points out that the chapter in, uh, in Matthew 19, where Jesus um, basically freaks out the apostles by ruling out divorce or remarriage after divorce, in the very next breath, he talks about, uh, you know, because they thought, oh my gosh, if we can't get divorced, this is, this is too hard, this is too crazy, you know, what, what are you talking about, you know, and you can kind of tell he takes them off to the side, Jesus takes them off to the side, says, now, calm down, you guys. Uh, not, not only that, uh, but, uh, but some of you are called to lifelong celibacy, you know, <laughs> and then you can just imagine these poor guys are passing out, you know, at that point, you know. <laughs> but, but what John Paul points out is that, is that the celibate vocation, the call to lifelong uh, consecrated virginity, is a, is a vocation that is complementary with the, with the call to, um, to, to married life as a vocation. And how well one side lives out their vocation in many ways um, influences how well the other side can live out its vocation. So we're really, we're really feeding one another and inspiring one another, I feel. And, um, and, and the collapse in vocations to the religious life and the collapse of marriage seem to kind of go along together at the same time. And now there seems to be a revival and renewal in both areas, which I think would not surprise either the Eastern Fathers or uh, John Paul II. No, absolutely. If you if you revive one, you necessarily revive the other. In fact, it becomes necessary. In order, in order for marriage to be revived, marriage and family, we have to revive monasticism and, and vice versa. They're, they're absolutely interdependent. Again, two sides of the same coin, I like to say, and one sort of subsists in the other. And, you know, as you know, doctor, you're, you're a married woman, you know that the element of monasticism in your marriage, in your life, meaning 
that radical commitment to your baptism, to, to ascetical discipline, to dying to self and rising to the other and putting God first is essential to a marriage, isn't it? Well, you know, that's very true, actually. And it takes different forms for, for me as a married woman. A lot of times, the particular aesthetical practice that I have to do is to simply uh, keep my mouth shut, right? Because, you know, there are a lot of times where the first thing that comes into your mind is, is not what should come out of your mouth, you know? And, um, and so it, it, it takes a certain self-mastery to realize that uh, not everything I'm inclined to say, think, or do is going to contribute to the common good of the family. And so, they, I, you know, I often think to myself, you know, that, that it's, not, um, it's not a white-knuckle silence where you're sort of gripping the edge of your chair, biting your tongue, clamping down on, you know, oh, gosh, I really wish I could tell him off or whatever. Um, it's more, um, I mean, that's what you have to do at the beginning when you're setting out on, on, the, uh, on, the, on the commitment to, to, uh, to married life. But as you move along that path, uh, you come to see that, it's, that you replace that, you know, kind of white-knuckle um, uh, silence with um, a, a whole new set of self-talk, which is, um, you know, is it to the good of the family that I say what's on my mind right now, or is it to is it to the good of my spouse that he hears what I'm thinking right now? Would it be better for me to think of it from his perspective more? Would it be better for me to remove myself? There are all kinds of other things you can think that don't have to do with you know, just biting down on your tongue, uh, but which certainly involves something other than giving in to your first impulse. So I, I think there, I, th- I, I feel, you know, in the 20 some years of married life, um, you know, that, I, that I've, I've changed a lot and I've, I've grown a lot and in ways that I, I don't think would have been possible without the guidance of the church and without the reality, the lived reality of my husband in my life and my children in my life, you know, who need certain things from me um, and, and who who really deserve certain things from me as children of God that they deserve this, more from me than I can ever give them even when I'm even when they're at their worst they deserve you know they they're, they're deserving of love and so all of that is um I think a very um I, I feel it's been a great gift uh, from the Holy Father um, to, you know, to, to become aware of just how important the whole spiritual aspect of the married life actually is. And, it, and it's such, you know, sometimes when I talk with young people, because, you know, most of my mission in the Ruth Institute is to talk to college students and young adults, when I hear the questions that they ask me, um, I, I'm so concerned about them, Father. I'm so distressed by the kinds of things that preoccupy Occupy them, you know. They, they'll have a kind of competitiveness in their mind. They'll have a kind of, um, you know, sort of self. They're, they're oriented towards their family and themselves in a kind of peculiar way, you know. And and it takes some doing to kind of move them away from the world's way of looking at things and into a more uh, spiritual perspective, which actually is a broader and deeper and more humane perspective on, on what they're living through. We'll be hearing more from our special guest, Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse, and her special project, It Takes a Family to Make a Village. When we return, I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. 
That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. It is Day 11 of the Fortnight of Freedom. Visit usccb.org. That's usccb.org. And learn about your response to the attack on your religious freedom. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, an Eastern Catholic priest and host of Light of the East Radio. As an Eastern Catholic, my spiritual and family heritage comes from Central Europe, a land that is all too familiar with religious persecution and assaults upon religious liberty. Precisely because of my spiritual and family background as an Eastern Catholic, it is with a certain credibility and urgency that I want to warn Americans of the danger of the recent Health and Human Services mandate forcing religious institutions to do something against their consciences. Far from being just a simple piece of a government-inspired healthcare plan, the Health and Human Services mandate springs from the same philosophies and worldviews that eventually led to the all-out persecution and assault on religious liberty in the areas of the world such as Eastern and Central Europe, Russia, and the Middle East. I am asking all of you to contact your government representatives and to support the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops in getting our government to rescind this unprecedented encroachment on religious liberty. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You're listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... Welcome back to Light of the East. Our special guest today is Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse, who's inviting Eastern Catholics in particular to bring our particular riches and our interest in the issues of marriage and family to a very special conference that she's holding called It Takes a Family to Make a Village. Welcome back again, Dr. Jennifer Roback Morse from the Ruth Institute. And once again, Dr. Jennifer, tell us about that conference and also where can people go to find out more about it? It Takes a Family to Raise a Village, and it will be held in San Diego in the last, uh, during the last weekend of July. Um, and uh, you can learn about it by going to ruthinstitute.org. And uh, once you go to the homepage of ruthinstitute.org, in the upper right-hand corner of the website, there'll be an, uh, an, a little icon that says ITAF, I-T-A-F, It Takes a Family. And you click on that, and it will have the schedule and the roster and all the speakers and a place where you can apply and, and, uh, and all of the information that you could possibly want about it. You'll see all the whole roster of speakers from across the disciplinary perspectives. Um, you'll see the fact that for the first time, undergraduates can actually receive one unit of 
college credit for participating in this thing. Uh, we have a special arrangement with uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan University so that students can get a, a, cre a one credit hour in uh, special topics in Christian worldview is what they're able to give people credit for. And you'll also see that we're going to have a, a closing event uh, called A Conversation on the Definition of Marriage that will feature me and Professor Robert Gagnon on one side, and, um, and then on the other side, uh, Bishop Jean Robinson of the Episcopal Church uh, and uh, philosophy professor John Corvino uh, arguing why the definition of marriage should be changed so that there's no longer a gender requirement to it. So there's a lot of great uh, things going on at this event, and it's, um, it's at ruthinstitute.org is where you can get all the information about it. You know, Doctor, I can't help using this analogy, and I've used it in the homilies, my preachers will tell you, about this uh, little analogy about this idea of changing the definition of marriage. It's, to me, that's kind of like, well, let's all decide in changing the definition of gravity so that it no longer pulls us back to the earth when we jump off a bridge. To me, it's the same thing, because <laughs> things like marriage and gender are like gravity. They're part of the whole created order that God has set in place. There is no discussion about this. There is no opinion. There is no evolving thoughts about it. It is what it is, and it's our place to learn what that is and to respond to it according to what it is. I mean, there are different things we can talk about that can change over time, but there are certain things of the natural order that just cannot change, just like gravity. I've done a lot of debating on this topic, Father, and I know you've done a lot of public speaking and a lot of different kinds of engagement with the public on this subject. And, you know, one of the things that I have noticed is that the people who want to redefine marriage in many ways are deeply resentful of the limitations of the human body. You know, the fact that we're male and female, uh, the fact that we can't procreate without a person of the opposite sex, um, those are things that, that trouble them. Um, that they it offends their sense of equality. It offends their sense of their own dignity as individual human beings. They want to see themselves as individuals, um, and they want to see themselves as being as good as and 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 complete in themselves. And it's there. There are just so many misunderstandings about human life and human reality bound up in this notion that it's possible to redefine marriage, you know. Um, there are just so many things uh, and so many ways in which they're deeply uncomfortable with the, with the world as it actually is. Um, that, it, that, it, that is very troubling. I don't, I don't quite know how they manage, you know. And, and, I, and I often wonder to myself, you know, let, let us say that we did change the law in all the ways that they want, seem to want, would they, would they then be happy? Would that then be enough? You know, and I think the, I'm, I'm inclined to think that it wouldn't be enough. You know, that 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 their their quarrel is with something deeper uh, than uh, than human law. Their quarrel is with reality itself, um, and that's why we can't just sit by and and allow them to, to redefine the law in ways that are not consistent with. But with the true nature of things. I mean, when talking during the break, you had a certain experience with someone you wanted to share with us on this on this subject, and it's especially the subject of of marriage and the conference and so on. Well, you know, I, I met a young lady um, at, at the Acton Institute conference. I met a, a young woman who. Um, a, a, 
an evangelical, um, very well-educated young woman, and she was a married woman, and she had a brand-new baby with her. And, you know, she was she was hugging that baby and taking really great care of that baby. And it was, it was wonderful to have her in my session, you know. She's sitting back there nursing her baby or calming her baby or whatever it is, you know. And she came up to me, at, you know, at one point and said, you know, I just, I, I struggle so much with uh, with what I'm supposed to do and whether I'm doing the biblical thing. And and uh, and for a while, Father, I, I couldn't quite tell what she was asking me. I couldn't quite tell what she was so concerned about. But come to find out after several rounds of probing, what was bothering her was that she feels torn about whether to be home with her baby versus whether she should be at work in the you know fine professional life that she left behind. Um, and it wasn't just a whether what she should be doing because she's very happy with her baby, but she it bothered her that her husband was not troubled that her husband was just going off to work and coming on home and you know for him it was there was no he he was not conflicted in any way and it I, it finally uh, occurred to me and if I tried to say to her you know look you have just told me literally with your own mouth that you want to be home with your baby that you love being home with your baby so what I think the Bible is telling you to do is you should be home with your baby. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with you being home with your baby. And sooner or later, all the gifts God has given you that are intellectual and professional in nature, the, the time will come for that. Your baby won't be little forever. A time will come when you'll be back in the workplace or whatever it is. But for now, for this season of your life, allow yourself to enjoy your baby and enjoy your husband. And don't haunt him with, you know, that he should be as conflicted as you are. No, you should both be as relaxed about it, you know. And it, and it, it, it broke my heart, really, because her her mind was filled with these with these conflicts that have been kind of created by the world, you know, and by a kind of competitiveness that's really quite unnecessary, you know, because the complementarity of man and woman is such that we can work together as different but equal and complementary parts of the of the of the greater whole, which is the common good of the family. And she had lost sight of that. And I just I felt so bad for her because she's obviously you know a good woman with good instincts. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with our world that a mother should be ashamed of wanting to take care of her baby? You know, what is wrong with us? Where have we gone wrong? You know, so I that 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 kind of encounter, Father, is part of why I feel so strongly about the work of the Ruth Institute and reaching out to young people and and uh, and helping them to see that what the world is offering them is not the whole story, and that what the gospel of Jesus Christ has to offer them um, is the thing that is finally going to make them happy and bring them peace, and that, that, that we need to stop being embarrassed about it and stop being ashamed about it and, and recognize that the natural order and the supernatural order are in harmony on this point. You know, we don't need to be uh, afraid or, or uh, apologizing for the fact that this is what our faith teaches us. So this, this young lady, this, you know, this really wonderful young woman, uh, was just in a sense a microcosm uh, of all of the reasons why I have to do the Ruth Institute, and you have to do the theology of the body and your all of, all of the work that you're doing, Father. Yes, we have to keep doing what we can according to the gifts that God has given us. And God has given you many gifts. And by the way, there's a book you wrote. It was a few years ago, but it's still one of my favorites. I highly recommend it to our audience. It's called Smart Sex, right? Smart Sex? 
That's right. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Christ called Finding Lifelong Love in a Hookup World is the subtitle. <laughs> Tell us more again, one more time, about the uh, the dates of the conference in San Diego and where people can go to find out about it. Yes, yes. The conference will begin on the 26th of July and run through the 29th of July, and it will be in San Diego. And um, we have discounted hotel rooms that people can get for themselves if they're coming in from out of town. And we have, uh, you know, a whole range of uh, activities and topics and lectures and, and uh, debates and things like that for people to be part of. And it's this is a completely interfaith conference. Um, so if there are some people who are not Eastern Catholics listening in, we you know we welcome everyone who's concerned about these issues to uh, to come and join us in San Diego, California. The name of the church that we'll be um, holding on is called Skyline Church. Uh, in, which is one of the large mega churches in San Diego, and so it's it's become kind of a hotbed for the marriage movement. And the pastor there, Pastor Jim Garlow, um, is is very uh, a big supporter of the Ruth Institute and our mission. So I know that uh, virtually anyone who cares about these issues and who's passionate about it, the way I know so many of your listeners are, anyone will will find a, a welcome place there. So go to ruthinstitute.org and find out where you can apply and um, come and participate. I will actually be in San Diego just a few days before that at our Byzantine Youth Rally. It's going to be held at the University of San Diego, and that's July 12th to the 15th. So we have all of our Byzantine teenagers come out, our Byzantines, B-Y-Z-A-N-T-E-E-N. <laughs> well, that's, no clever. that's clever. So, so, the, so the, the long weekend of the 12th through 14th, is that what you're telling me, is when they're going to be there at USD? Yes, that's when we'll be out there, all from all over the country. Well, I should try to connect with you then. You, you better, you have to tell me what all's going on. I'll see if I can get over there to see you guys. Yeah, it'll be great. We'll get in touch, and uh, we really appreciate you having on the program here at the East, Dr. Jennifer. And uh, as always, uh, you're always welcome here, and it's glad to have you. You're one of our friends here at the East, and we're going to try to get people out there, especially Eastern Catholics, to your conference. And once again, the place to go to find out is... RuthInstitute.org, and look for the It Takes a Family logo on the top of the homepage. We want to thank you, Dr. Jennifer, for being on our program today, Light of the East. And those of you who are listening, especially those of you who are Eastern Catholics, please take her up on her invitation to attend this wonderful conference for the sake of marriage and family and bring our particular gifts to this issue. Thank you, Dr. Jennifer, for being on our program. We'll be happy to have you back again in the future. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright.